How many of you are thankful tonight he's still resurrecting you? Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God I'm not a finished product. Uh, but I'm nowhere near where I used to be. And I'll just have to say tonight, and I think you'll join me in saying all glory to the one who has the power to rescue, redeem, and set free. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise tonight. <clears throat> he's a magnificent God. And so tonight as we continue in our time of worship together, we'll now do that through the preaching of the Word. So if you have your Bible, join me tonight in the book of Galatians. And if you would, make your way to chapter number 6, Galatians chapter number Six. Any of you glad that you get, got back tonight? Any of you? Uh, any of you get a nap today? Raise your hand if you got a nap today. All right, come on. We got to get that percentage up next week, all right? Uh, you say, preacher, are you joking? I'm not joking at all, at all. God intends for me and you to take a day of rest, all right? So be intentional. Rest is not going to accidentally happen in the culture in which we live. And so you're going to have to be intentional to honor God by resting your mind and your body, okay? So, tonight, here we go, if you will, Galatians chapter number 6. And we're gonna, I'm going to read verses 1 on down through 10, but we're really going to focus in 6 through 10, okay? <clears throat> now, can any of you think back to the message this morning? Anybody can think back? I know it's a long time ago and a lot of nap, maybe a lot of nap looked like in the room uh, from earlier today. And we talked about the fact that our lives are supposed to be what kind of lifestyle? Spending, right? And we, I saw some people when I mentioned that earlier this morning, they were like, see, I told you they had this look on their face. And by the time they realized it was not the kind of spending that we really like to do, <clears throat> but it's the spending of God's resources. Now, God has given us resources. We declared that this morning, correct? Anybody? Uh, we said really namely, well, there's a lot, but we, we really focused on three. <clears throat> well, okay, eight. But, but three, uh, those three specifically were time. And God's given us time every day we have. Every moment of every hour is a gift from God. We don't know how much we have of it, but it's a gift. All right. Second, we said talent, which is our abilities, things that we're good at. <clears throat> and then thirdly, we talked about the one that we really love talking about, and that is money, treasures, specifically money. Did you know this morning that, that the illustration Jesus used in Matthew 25 was specifically, we, we see talents. And in our culture, we see the word talent, we think, well, that's what we're good at. No, no, that's a monetary measure. That's a certain amount of money, uh, the talents were. So isn't it funny that Jesus picked that thing we don't like to talk about to talk a lot about? And so tonight, we're going to just sort of piggyback on that if we can. And the title of our message tonight is simply God's Laws of Harvest. Uh, God's Laws of Harvest. Now, what we're talking about is <clears throat> when we spend the seed, there's a harvest to come. The seed can be positive or the seed can be negative. The seed can be of the flesh, our old nature, or the seed can be of the spirit, the new nature, that which honors God, that which is part of, here it is, you ready, the mission. Tonight, if you're looking at the broad context, uh, context of this year's theme being uh, living the mission, <clears throat> then sowing the seed would be the same as living the, see, y'all are awake, y'all are awake. This took you a split second. Uh, sowing the seed is the same as Living the mission, all right? <clears throat> so tonight we're going to pick up in Galatians chapter number 6. is Paul's letter here to the church at Galatia. It was a letter with, written with the intent of settling the dispute between the law and grace. Okay, that's what the book of Galatians is written about. <clears throat> the, the struggle is that people wanted to add to grace the law. You can't add anything to grace. You can't add anything to what Jesus did on the cross. You can't say uh, Jesus on the cross plus living the mission. No. You can't say Jesus' uh, death and resurrection plus uh, spending his resources. No. Uh, it's Jesus Christ, death and resurrection, period, exclamation point, end of the story. 
The rest is what's produced by Jesus' death and resurrection and him getting on the inside of us. Does that make sense to you this evening? So the whole letter is written about this law and grace issue. But here in chapter 6, he begins to deal with how we can help each other keep on keeping on. Uh, By the way, we need people to tell us keep on keeping on, don't we? I know Brian won't mind me mentioning him on this. But over the years, that brother, I wish uh, if I could go back on our thread of texts and show you how many times he's messaged me, just sometimes just out of the blue, it'll just say, keep on keeping on. So other times it'll be a long prayer. It'll be a scripture verse. <clears throat> but there's that, there's that need in our lives for brothers and sisters who will say, keep going. Don't give up. I told you about my dear friend, Charles Renfro, when he thought he was dying and he was diagnosed with cancer. He was in his hospital bed and he called me to his side. He reached up, grabbed my shirt, pulled me down. He said, you've got to do something for me. You've got to do something for me. And we didn't know if he had days left or weeks left. And, and as he pulled me down close, he said, you've got to do something. I said, okay, brother, what is it? What is it? He said, you can't quit. You got to keep going. He said, with your last breath, you got to preach the gospel. And so we need, don't we? We need each other to continue living the mission. So we're going to look at that tonight, okay? Would you stand to your feet in honor of reading God's Word? And we'll dive in, beginning here in Galatians 6 and verse 1. Now let me ask you, do you have a little context? you feel like you know where we're at? Yes? I know we went from Matthew this morning to, to, to Galatians now. Jesus' uh, words in Matthew, now, to, now the, the Spirit's words through Paul. And, but you're going to see how they connect. And by the way, uh, all Scripture agrees with all Scripture. It's wonderful how God did that. Over 1,500 years, 40 different authors unbelievable how he did it. Okay, now, diving in, verse number one. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of harshness. Oh, no, no, no. In a, in, y'all help me, in a spirit of gentleness. Thank you. Always pay attention now. Don't just believe because I said it's true. Put your eyes on it. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Do you see a theme building here about helping each other and cheering each other along? Yeah. Verse 3, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he only deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. In other words, you have your mission, I have my mission. We, I can't live your mission, you can't live my mission. <clears throat> Verse 6, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. Listen to this. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he also will reap. Will also reap. I memorized that in the King James years and years ago and see how it still comes out. (laughs) That he will also reap. Verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap. Which would you rather have? Corruption or everlasting life? There's a good question. Verse 9. And let us not grow weary. While doing good. For in due season we shall reap if, if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Oh, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. All right, let's pause for a word of prayer. Would you bow with me? Father, I want to say thank you for drawing all these folk back out here, God. And I know, Lord, our crowd's a little bit less than last Sunday night, but I'm thinking about, you know, 80 youth that are down, down at South Campus and the, all the children's ministry servants are all back in there and still this large of a crowd. God, I bless your name for that. You produce that in us. We can't produce it in ourselves. Thank you for a hungry people. Now, would you help me to feed them? Uh, Lord, I pray tonight that everyone who comes to the table, you would use the gift of preaching that you've given me and entrusted me by your spirit 
preach the truth in such a way that all of us could receive it. And Father, as it is evident that you can use anybody anywhere at any time, would you also touch our ears and tune them in, uh, tune them in to hear your voice, to block out all the noise around us, our own flesh and the enemy. And God, may your spirit and your word do a mighty work in our hearts tonight. In the precious name of Jesus, we plead, and the people of God said, amen. amen. All right, thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, you're going to need to write quickly tonight, okay? Oh, man, some of y'all look like, man, I just got up from my nap. Um, all right, so, so we're going to add to our repertoire next week, nap and then coffee. You got you to schedule that thing out a little bit, okay? All right, so here we go. God's laws of harvest. Did you know that? There are laws of the harvest that you can see in the harvest in nature that are absolutely true and applicable to the harvest of the Spirit. Did you know that? Uh, let me give you some of those as we walk back through the passage that we just looked at. Now, I'm going to incorporate some other verses tonight uh, to help, if you will, solidify in our heart and mind God's laws of harvest. Now, listen to me. You and I cannot circumvent God's laws that he's already put into place. Do you know that? Uh, for instance, there's some laws in creation. I talk to you about it a lot. Laws of reproduction, where two of a kind come together, they produce another of that kind. That's a law God put in place. You can, listen, you may want a bird and an alligator to get together and produce something different, but they can't. Why? Because God has a law in place where two of a kind come together, they produce another of that kind. You don't have to believe it, right, to make it true. It's true. Gravity. Did you know that gravity is working whether you believe it or not? Did you know that? God's put that in place. Listen, you know this? You cannot defy the law God has put in place in creation called gravity. I've met people before who say, I don't believe this and I don't believe that. I said, well, you don't believe in gravity? That's fine. But whatever you do, don't get on top of the building and jump off. Because you'll find quickly that your belief, listen to me, your experience does not validate truth. Truth stands alone. My experience may be all over the map, but truth is a, is a plumb line. It never changes. Aren't you glad? I'm so thankful. Oh, so tonight, here we go, laws of the harvest. They're going to be about, I don't know, we'll see how, what it ends up being, all right? In your notes, Roman number one, write this down. First law of the harvest, here it is. All seed, we're going to find this back in verse number seven. All seed has exponential potential. Now, that's wordy, isn't it? Potential means it's uh, something that can pr be produced later, right? Something more produced later. That's potential. Something more produced later. That's potential. But exponential is when I, what we're talking about this morning, instead of addition, it is multiplication. It's when you start getting in numbers. Y'all remember when you had to write that little number two subscript uh, to the second power? Boy, you start getting into those things, and you got numbers. You got more zeros than you can write on a page. All right, y'all ain't going to smile with me tonight. I'm smiling by myself. All seed has exponential potential. Listen to what he says in verse number 7, all right? Uh, I'm going to go back in verse number 7. So notice in verse 6, excuse me, chapter 6, 1 through 6, he's talking about uh, ways that we can lighten the load of our brothers and sisters and encourage them to keep going, keep living the mission, okay? Uh, he says, bear the burden and share and do your part, you know, live your ministry. Then he says in, in verse 6, another good thing that you can do is, is share with, with the ones who are teaching you the Word of God. So he's talking about all these, and really they're, I, I, in my estimation, verses 5 and 6, there really shouldn't be a gap there. Um, because, again, uh, verse 6 really goes back to verse 5 and that group of things that Paul is saying, here's what you can do to lighten the burden. Y'all with me? Boy, y'all looking at me like, a, like you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, you know these divisions and things were added later. Uh, it was written as a one, one, one congruent, one, one continual letter. And so what they chose for whatever reason to put verse 5 and separate verse 6 into the next thought. But if you really look at it, 
Verse 6 is just another explanation of doing good and bearing burdens. Are you all with me? For the ones who teach. So so that one verse, verse 6, talks about doing good and lighten burdens for the preacher or the teacher of the word. So it really goes up into, is anybody with me? I I felt like the only one who, who, okay. So now picking, you see how verse 7, there's a little pivot point. You see it? Verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. So now he talks about the the activity of doing good and lightening the load of others and bearing the burdens of others. Uh, And then he says, now, if you don't do that, understand, God's not mocked. You can expect not to do those things and then have a good harvest in your life. So in verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Here's what we can learn. Whatever a man sows, that he also will reap. So whatever you sow is is going to be reaped, all right? Whatever is sown is going to be harvested. So what I want you to see is a seed is sown, put in the ground. And there's a law that, that God has already put into place that when you put it in the ground, there's going to be exponential harvest. Uh, you, you've heard me say before, you don't put one butter bean in the ground. Can you imagine, by the way, this? And you guys remember before they, like, had bushing butter beans, you had the running butter beans, and, you, you know, you're having to climb, and things are on the ground, they're down on the ground, and you're killing yourself, and you got a whole big bowl full, and you shell all those things, and you got about this much. I remember being a kid the first time my grandmother gave me something to shell. I thought, good Lord, I don't want to do that. I want to do something to produce a big bowl or something, you know, and I've been here for two hours, and i got a little handful of peas, you know. Um, but when you, can you imagine, can you imagine if you put one butter bean in the ground, and it grew this great big plant, on that great big plant was one butter bean. We'd be scratching butter beans out of our diet, wouldn't we? But seed has exponential potential. One seed produces many seeds. Are you with me? And so I want you to think about whatever it is that you're sowing, whatever it is that you're sowing, whether to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, the things of God, living the mission for His glory, or the things of the flesh, living our own missions for our own safety, comfort, and pleasure, whichever one of those we are sowing are going to have exponential consequences, whether positive to everlasting life or negative to destruction. Have you learned that in your life already? I've had to learn. Okay, here, let me see who my people are. How many of all have had to learn it more than once? <laughs> okay, good. Uh, I just want you to see tonight that, there, that seed, all seed, all seed, good seed, bad seed, spiritual seed, fleshly seed, all seed has, y'all help me, exponent, come on, we say wordy things together, exponential Potential, okay? Every, every bit of it. Now, I'm going to give you a verse to go along with it, okay, just to help you solidify it. All right, John chapter 12, verse 24. Here is what Jesus said. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, one little tiny grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains how? No, it has to be planted. It has to be planted. You see that? It has to die, and it has to be planted. <clears throat> if it doesn't, it remains singular. No potential, no exponential growth, all right? But if it is, if it dies and if it's planted, it produces, here it is, you ready? There it is, exponential, much grain, okay? Number two, second law of the harvest. So number one, all seed has exponential potential. Number two, second law of the harvest, still in verse number seven. Harvesting requires sowing. Uh, You can't harvest if you don't. So what I would not encourage you to do is to go out into your yard, your backyard, your side yard, or your front yard, and go out and expect in June to pick some tomatoes um, if you don't first sow some tomato seed or plant some tomato plants. Y'all with me? You would be considered a fool if you went and stood out in your side yard, your front yard or your backyard, and just walked out there and said, I'm going to go out today and pick me some tomatoes if you have not first sown. Why then do we expect to have spiritual harvest in our lives when we are not sowing 
to the Spirit of God and the things of God and the mission He's called us to by spending the resources He's given us in order to bring honor and glory to His name. Is that making sense to anybody tonight? Laws of the harvest. One, all seed has exponential potential. Number two, harvest requires sowing. It's in verse 7. He says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. He has to sow in order to reap. So, there must be a sowing. And by the way, let me just give you a little tidbit of information about me and you. We're sowing something. We're always sowing something. If we're not living his mission, we're living our mission. If we're living our mission, we're sowing the wrong seed. But now we will reap a wrong harvest. Uh, I can testify. I've lived it and you've lived it. And Hey, wouldn't it be good tonight if you stopped sowing those seeds and you started sowing the seeds of the kingdom and God really just began to bless your life with a spiritual harvest and you got to experience, oh, man, hallelujah. Listen to the potential. Rule number three. You ready? Rule number, am I going too fast? Y'all okay? Y'all, listen, y'all done leaned in and locked in. I, hey, I want a heart. I, I don't know about you, but I desire a spiritual harvest in my life. I do. And I want it to be a big harvest, man. I don't want it to be just a few things. I want a whole bunch of spiritual harvest in my life, and I want it for you. Listen to me. If you may not want it for you, but I want it for you. I want you to experience the joy of having a, a spiritual harvest all the kind of joy that touches your soul. So, number three, we reap. Listen, so, so far, all seed has exponential potential. Number two, harvesting requires sowing. You've got to sow in order to reap. All right? Number three, we reap the same kind that we sow. Now, you, you know these spiritual laws. You know them because, well, you don't plant tomato seed and expect butter beans. You don't do that. And the same way, interestingly enough, let me just say the opposite of that. Sometimes we sow seeds to the flesh, and somehow expect a spiritual harvest. Yeah, you're getting it. Sometimes we do that, me and you. We don't sow the seeds of time that are required for me to get to know Jesus. Some of us feel like we already know him, so we don't wake up in the morning and go meet with him. Uh, some of us don't realize that uh, we're going to have to sow the seed of prayer uh, before our day happens, not, not, not after it happens, uh, and as it's happening, and then after it happens, and, and without ceasing, and, and we've not yet figured that sowing of prayer out, and so what we're doing, we're reaping a harvest of, oh, not a good one. So, uh, we reap the same kind. Look in verse 7 and 8. He says, end of 7, whatever a man sows, whatever, whatever he sows, that, in other words, the exact same kind is what he's going to reap. Still in verse number 7, we see three laws in just in verse number 7. The same thing that he sows is the same thing that he is going to reap. Now, he explains it a little bit more in verse number 8. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap <clears throat> corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, which of the two would you rather have? Oh, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's very simple, isn't it? Now, listen, too many believers are out sowing wild oats Monday to Saturday. Anybody still with me? Uh, too many professing believers are out sowing wild seeds and gathering in the church on Sunday and praying for crop failure. Huh? We're involving our, ourselves in all the manner of ungodliness in the world, and then, we, and then we come in here and we come to the altar and pray, oh, God, don't let the seeds take. Don't let me reap destruction, right? But there's a law in place. We could be forgiven. Oh, I want you to pick this up. We could be forgiven, but if we've planted the seeds, we're going to reap a harvest. So we need to be real intentional, don't we? 
about seeking God and his help, that we're planting the right seed, okay? That we're investing in the right crop, that we're spending the resources in the right way. Now, let me just say this. No amount of scheming or conniving are going to sneak us past the reaping of what we've sown. We can connive, we can scheme, we can cover up, we can connive, but whatever we put in the ground is going to come up. Are you with me? I can go over, listen to me, and I need you to understand this. If I plant tomato seeds in the ground, I can go out and speak over it, all I want to speak over it, and command and demand and all that stuff, and guess what? I can say, this is going to be butter beans in Jesus' name, and what's going to come out of the ground? You know what's going to come out of the ground? Tomatoes. He said, listen to me, <clears throat> and when we try, listen, I want you to get something. Notice the word he uses there when we approach the law of the harvest in such a way. We're mocking God. And and here's what Paul says. Listen, he says, church, listen to me. You can't mock God. He's not a fool. He's not short-sighted. He didn't forget what was put in the ground. He he knows how we're living. He knows what we're doing. He knows where we're spending our, his, uh uh-oh, his resources And he already, listen, what we're planning is what we're putting in the ground. What we're sowing with our lives is what we are going to reap. You know, the chances are very high. The reason that we are reaping a crop of anxiety or bitterness or unstable moods and attitudes is because we're not sowing the seed of his word into our heart. We're not meditating on it. We're not memorizing it. And so we're reaping a crop. And here's the thing. We run to counselors and we run to medication. We run to all kinds of things. But no amount of running can outrun the law of God's harvest. So you say to me, preacher, well, then you say, none of us need counseling. Oh, no, 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 yes, most of us need a little counseling along the way. Right. None of us need medication. Oh, certainly, some of us need medication, certainly. But I just want you to know that too often times we run to counseling and medication to avoid reaping the mood swings and the anxiety and the worry and the fear that we have sown by not spending time. We run to Facebook. Face, listen to me. Facebook and social media at will not produce a crop of peace and joy and focus in your life. They won't. So I just wanted you to see that tonight. No amount of scheming or conniving are going to sneak us past. I'm going to tiptoe around and plant tomatoes and get butter beans. Not going to happen. All right? So let me make this. Neither can, listen to this, and I'm going to flip the coin. Neither can any amount of demonic attack keep the reaping of blessing that comes from sowing the things of God. So, so think about it. No amount of conniving and scheming can, can change the crop from me sowing to the flesh from being a bad crop. Neither can any demonic attack keep from happening the good that's going to be produced in my life from sowing seeds of the Word of God and the kingdom of God and those things that honor and bless His holy name. Isn't that good news? You don't have to worry about anybody coming stealing your crop. It's going to produce. Why? Because it honors God. Now, we said that we reap the same kind that we sow. I've got to move on, number four, because you guys, I want to get you home so you can get into bed tonight. Number four, all right, number four. Have you, are you keeping these laws in order? All right, one we said, y'all help me, all seed has exponential potential. Listen to y'all rocking them words. Number two, harvesting requires sowing. Number three, we reap the same kind that we sow. So you're telling me if I sow to the flesh, I'm going to reap destruction according to the Word of God. If I sow to the Spirit, I'm going to reap everlasting life, those things that are associated with a personal relationship with God. By the way, everlasting life is not when you die and go to heaven. Everlasting life is a term that references a personal relationship with God that begins at salvation and never ends. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? My goodness gracious. Why would we? All right, I'm trying to focus here. Number four, we reap in proportion to what we sow. 
If I plant uh, three rows of tomatoes, I shouldn't expect the yield of eight rows of tomatoes. You, you understand? It's going to be proportionate. Now, I'm going to show you this in the Scripture. That's not, listen, I hope you see tonight, these aren't just, you know, Terryisms. I'm just teaching you right from the Word of God. But if you've done any gardening at all, you've already seen these things. You just hadn't really maybe noticed them and written them out, okay? So, here it is. We reap in proportion to what we sow. Now, this is not in this particular passage, so I want to take a journey real quick to another passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 6 through 8. Write it in your notes. It's going to be on the overhead, and you just look your attention up there, and I'll read it as we go, okay? 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 9, uh, beginning in verse 6. I'm going to read down through verse 8. Y'all reading, looking up there with me? Okay, Uh, but this I say, and this is uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the church, second letter to the church at Corinth. He says, he who sows sparingly. In other words, I can't really give a lot of time. I can't really give a, a lot of my abilities to the kingdom. I can't really give a lot of my money. I'm just going to sow a little bit, okay? Uh, he who sows sparingly will also reap. It's proportionate. It's proportionate. So then, here's the law. Now, if you'll leave that scripture up there for me. Here's the law. I cannot sow sparingly and expect to reap bountifully. Now, many of us, many of us do that. We sow a little bit of seed and we pray, oh, God, I pray it's so bountiful and my life's full of the fruits of the Spirit in such a manifest way that, oh, people, I'm just amazed. And we cannot circumvent the laws of God's harvest. He said, he's teaching us that it will always be proportionate to what we've sown. Okay, let me, let me go back to the text. Read with me here in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Uh, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows Bountifully, thank you all for interacting. We'll also reap. What has he said there? It's proportional. It's proportional to what I sow. So let each one give as he purposes, oh, in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. Why? Why should I not give all the preachers that I'm supposed to give me, find them a little black box and stick a little money in there, you know? Well, okay, I'll, I'm, I've got a little time. I can greed. I mean, I'd be a great service to God. I could just, I'll greed. I'm not going to do anything else, but I'll greed. I'm not going to make disciples, but I'll agree. I can do that. And, and, so, and so why would we not want to give grudgingly? Do you see that? Do you all know what I mean when I say grudgingly? You, you ever, now here, here's where the rubber meets the road. You ever give grudgingly? I love y'all. Y'all so honest. I love, I really do. I love that. You can't get that all places, by the way. I've given grudgingly before. You know what I mean? You're like, oh. <laughs> here. You know, I, I, I can remember some of those First times, you know what happened? It happened at home. And it happened when, it happened when we used to, y'all remember when they used to have those fudge sickles? I guess they still have them. I don't know. But I had three sisters, and so things disappeared quickly. And I remember one time, you're never going to, you will probably believe this, but I remember one time I had gotten into the freezer. I was probably eight, seven, and I had gotten three of the, the last three because they were small. You know, they were little. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They were like, they were just one little stick in there. Anyway, I had the three of those, and I had opened the first one, was eating it, and I remember my mama coming in there, and here are my sisters outside in the hall. I remember her saying, now, you cannot eat all three of those. And I'm thinking, yes, I can. I've done it before. It's not a problem. I won't even be sick. I mean, you might think, I'm not going to be sick from it. I'll be fine. And I remember her saying, you cannot, and then I remember looking over the door and seeing my sisters, you know, and they got little tears in their eyes, and I remember thinking, I mean, you know, it's not that big a deal. Y'all don't live through it. It's just, it's just missing out on a popsicle. I'm literally remembering this, and I remember at that time going, 
Here's what settled it. I knew I was going to get a whipping if I didn't. Y'all understand? My heart wasn't hurting for them. They were going to be fine. What I knew begrudgingly was that if I didn't give, I was about to get, a, I was about to get my tail tore up. So I remember going, I hope you enjoy your sickles and we all have a great night, you know. And God's not interested in that because he's not fooled by activity. And we can't please God by just following through the motions. He's interested in the motivation and condition of our heart. And here's what he says in that passage, all right? Uh, For God loves a, look at this, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, here's a question. Nobody can answer this but you, and you answer it just between you and the Lord. Does it give you great joy? Do you feel cheerful when you get an opportunity to invest your time, to give up some of your time, not doing what you want to do, but doing what you know God has called you to do? Does it bring joy, a cheer, a little bounce in your step, a little twinkle in your eye? How, how, about, how about when it comes time to gather and you get to, you get to give of your ability, something that you're good at, to use for the glory of God? Does it, does it put a little cheer in your, in your, in your, in your heart, in your mind? Uh, God, listen to what he says. God loves that. He loves that. Now, he's not interested in the, here, you take it, you take it, and I'll go serve, and I'll just be in the nursery, whatever, because preachers making us feel bad because there ain't nobody in the nursery. But to say, oh, God, I get to serve the next generation. Oh, I feel joy in my heart because mom and dad gets to go in and hear the good news of the gospel and be encouraged and learn how to be parents who will model it for them. Oh, I get to go back here and be a blessing to somebody because he rescued me from the pit of my own despair. I wish somebody would pick up what I'm putting down tonight. He loves, he loves a cheerful giver. God make, you know I'm praying, God make me a, come on, you know the prayer. What should we be praying? God make me a. You can't try hard enough to be a cheerful giver. Have you tried before? Come on, I see a couple of y'all nodding your head like, I know I got to give, and I'm so happy <laughs> that I'm not going to be able to purchase this gun that's been on my list for a while, or, you know, what have you. But, but true joy in my heart to realize what I'm giving impacts the nations for the glory of God. Oh, it ought to bring cheer. He loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make. Now, listen to what he attaches here. There's a promise. Now, I told you, it's proportional to what we sow. If we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. If we uh, sow bountifully, we're going to reap bountifully. And he goes on to say, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in which things? All things. So you have all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for you to have everything you want. No. For you to perform, oh, you see it, don't you? He loves a cheerful giver. And here's what he's saying. Can I just sort of put this in country board terms for you? For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make grace abound towards you. What's he talking about? He'll forgive your sin? No, no. He's talking about the grace to give you supply. You sow bountifully, he's going to replace bountifully. All of a sudden, you figure out you got more time than you thought you had. You began to give of your money. You realize, my goodness, I didn't even get a raise, but I've got more money in the bank than I, than I ever had. I, you ought to ask sometimes Scott Frazier and, and Kelly their tithing testimony. Uh, he brings to mind and it's something I completely forgot about. He said, you gave a tithing challenge, and I hardly remember. He said, you just challenged us for 30 days to, to tithe. And he said, we did that. It transformed our lives. And so I want you to understand. God says now, I, and if you'll love it, if you'll do it, you'll love it. And that's the only thing he says you can test him in. And so he says he loves a cheerful giver. And if, you, if you'll do it, he will supply the pile. 
I referenced it this morning. Too often, here's our American way of thinking. Let me look at my supply pile. Okay, I got this much in the supply pile. That means I can do this much as far as time, talent, and treasure. That's not the kingdom way. The kingdom way says, what do you want me to do? What time do you want me to give? What abilities? How, how do you want me to plug in what I'm good at? And what money do you want me to give and where? At my local church and, and on top of that free will offering. Y'all, anybody with me tonight? And as I'm saying that to him, I'm, tr- I'm not glancing at the pile. And it's the hardest thing you and I will ever do. Because we trust the supply pile. He's inviting us to trust the supplier. By his grace, he's able to supply all that we'll ever need with abundance to perform every good work. That's good news. By the way, that's the promise of God. And your life and my life is a test of faith, isn't it? And we'll be tested on that around every turn and corner, whether we believe $10 is more in our hand or in the hand of God and what he's going to do with it. Oh, I'm telling you, the rubber meets the road in reality, doesn't it? Let me give you another verse if I can. Are you ready? I said it's proportional. We reap in proportion to what we sow. I'm trying not to drive this home too, too hard, but it's just so evident. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Here's what it says. Jesus said, give and it will be. Now, we're talking about proportional. You give and it will be given to you how? Good measure. Press down. Shaken together and. Running over will be put into your bosom. Why? For the same measure, proportionate. The same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Uh, I always talk about this press down, uh, talk about me and Tina picking peas years ago. And I can remember we had a, remember that maroon Chevy Lumina that you had? Yeah. And we pull out to the field there in Harrisville and 5 a.m., you know, and, and her cutting the headlights on. And us getting our bucket, they say, and I remember, I remember like it's the first time I ever paid to pick because my grandfather always grew and we picked our own. But at this particular time, we, you'll pay a little, I can't remember what we paid, but it was a, all you could fit in that five-gallon bucket. And so I remember going out there and getting my five-gallon bucket and I picked a little bit and it was full and I said, man, here it is. And I, I remember there was a guy beside me picking and as he was picking, his, his, when he came back, the first bucket, he filled up a sack almost twice as big as mine. I'm like, what in the world? So I got to watch it a little bit. What do you do? He'd pick a little bit and press it down. Oh. What did he say? Press down and overflowing. And he'd press down. He'd put a little more in there and press it down. Put a little more in there and press it down. So you know what I started doing? Because it was legal, right? And, you, yeah, and you want to get your money's worth. You're at 5 a.m. and you're out picking peas in August, you know. And so I'm, I'm picking a little bit. What do you think I'm doing? Pressing down. And I'd pick a little more. Press it down. And I'd press it down till it couldn't press down anymore. And I can remember walking back to, the, to that Chevy Lumina with two buckets and it's Falling over the sides. That's what he's talking about. Press down and run. It was running over. And he, he says if you and I live our lives sowing that way, proportionally, he's going to supply back in the same manner. Now, my question for you is not do you really believe that? Do you really, really believe that? And my second question to build on that would be is your life displaying that you believe that? And if not, marry the two. If you say you believe it, marry the two. Y'all with me? Mary, what to? Mary, that I believe it with, I do it. And watch what God will do. Oh, have mercy. Hang on, though, because he'll knock your socks off. When you test him in the one way he says that you can test him, it's proportional, okay? Now, what time is it? Okay, we got a little time here. Everybody okay? You're still learning? All right, now, here's some things I need. Now I need to give you the... Uh, let me give you some quickly some specifics. I, a dear friend of mine manages a farm called Tallulah Farms in, My- in Marysville, Mississippi. And he was telling me years, several years ago that they plant, listen to this, 130,000 seeds. 
And on the harvest, on average, those 130,000 seeds average 60 bushels an acre at 140,000 seed per bushel. So they plant 130,000 seed, and they yield 8.4 million seeds. You see God's law of harvest? It's proportional, but always more. If you, if you sow bountifully, you're going to get more. You're going to receive more. If you sow love, you know what you're going to get? Love. If you sow grace, you know what you're going to get? Grace. If you sow peace, oh, listen to me. Somebody's life is full of turmoil, and people are always dumping on you, gossip and garbage, and the reason is because you become a dumpster, and you allow it, and you talk about it with them, and you wonder why in heaven's name your life is producing a harvest of anxiety and, and fear and frustration, and it's because you, listen to me now, we've got to sow the seeds of everlasting life, those things that honor God. So, let me move on if I can, all right? So, it's always proportional. It's always more unless. <laughs> Here's the disclaimer. You ready? I, y'all look at me like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. There are two things you can do that mess it all up. Mess it all up. You ready? Are y'all, y'all with me? Number one. Here they are. Number one. Unless, number one, we keep the harvest for our own glory. Oh. We're going to call that hoarding. Did, did you see a, do you remember anything about hoarding from this morning? What did it look like? What did it involve? Putting it, somebody said it? Brother Charles, that was you, wasn't it? No, who was that down here? Said, oh, right here. Yeah, what'd you say? Putting that, put it in the ground. Just put it in the ground. Keep it for myself. Just not multiply it, not invest it. Just keep it for myself, right? So, so listen to this. If we keep the harvest for our glory, Haggai chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. Minor prophet, Old Testament, listen to what's happening. God is speaking to the people. They are neglecting his house and the harvest of their life, a financial blessing, they are not using for the glory of God, but for their own comfort, safety, and pleasure. Are you all with me? Let's read it. God is speaking to them and asking questions through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about your sowing. What are you sowing? What are you sowing? What are you doing with the harvest? Consider how you're living. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much so that wasn't that they weren't sowing. Anybody with me? They were putting a whole lot of seed in the ground, but they were reaping the harvest and using it for their cell, their own glory. Now, what does God do? You have so much and bring in. Now, that violates the law of God's harvest because we just proved over and over that when you sow, you're going to reap proportional. Always more, except, except if you take the harvest that God has put into your life and keep it for your own glory. Listen to what he tells them. You have so much. Y'all reading with me? But you bring in little. You eat but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but nobody's warm. And he who earns a wage, listen closely, earns wages to put into a bag. That sounds good, except the bag has holes in it. So there is a way to circumvent the law of proportional harvesting. You can sow a whole lot, but if the harvest is all about me and you, if the harvest is just about our better, our betterment, our American dream, our, is anybody out there? Then what he says is we'll work our whole life away and we'll put money away and put money away. And the whole, the problem is the bag we're storing it in, I'll have a hole in it. It'll leak right out the other side. 
I remember times in my life, I remember one particular time I worked 180 days in a row laying asphalt and different things. And I remember all getting paychecks like I'd never gotten before. I mean, just getting, but at the same time, not living for the glory of God and asking and wondering how in the world we were. I remember the times we were wondering how we were going to buy diapers. Because we were putting our money in a bag that had holes in it. Holes in it. All right? Second way we can do it. Now, this is interesting. We ought to learn from this, right? So, one, we can keep the harvest for our own glory, hoarding. We don't want to hoard. We don't want to keep it for ourselves, right? Number two, this is the other way we can stop the, the proportional harvesting. We don't sow back into the kingdom. Okay? Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. We've got to hurry, you guys. We've almost run out of time. Can you believe that? We do not sow into the kingdom. Malachi chapter 3, y'all ready? Verses 10 and 11. Here's what the prophet Malachi says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Tithe is meaning a 10%. Someone asked me just this last week, do you think that we ought to tithe? Is that a New Testament teaching? I said, it's not a command. never has been. It's just a natural response. You find it all the way back to Melchizedek, way back. You find, you find Abraham tithing him. You, 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 what happens is a person's response. Now, a person asked me one time, well, what, well, do you think it's a good place? I said, it's a great place to start to begin giving. Sure, Absolutely. But listen to what he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now oh, in this. So it's where I, that tithing challenge, you say, man, that's awful bold for you to present that. I said, no, 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 I'm just quoting God. Amen. It's not a Terry idea. I'm just saying God said try it. So why not pick 30 days and try it? See what happens. Who are you testing? Not Terry. You're testing who? I don't feel funny about that. It feels a little funny to me to even say that, except that he says, try me, try me. Give it a shot. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. Sounds like proportional, doesn't it? I sow a little. I sow bountifully. God gives even more in return, okay? But now hang on. You said, wait a minute. This is a, you said this was unless. All right, hang on. And he says, if you'll do it, read with me. And I, this is God speaking to his people, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Now, the devourer means he is devouring the harvest. You're working hard. You're investing. You're trying to be smart with your money, and, and things keep tearing up. You can't, you're paying money out, and it's, it's like it's coming out of your ears for new things. Every, everything's breaking down, and it's constant, and the devourer is having a heyday. Listen, he says, he says, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. So what do we know? We know then that if we're not trying him, if we're not giving, then he's not. Listen to me. It's very simple. He's not rebuking the devourer. Do you understand that our only hope financially and spiritually is for God to rebuke the devourer? Do, do you understand that in your marriage the only hope you've got is for, the, is for God to rebuke the devourer? Uh, do, you, do you understand that you and I, listen, we, we don't have the power to rebuke him. That's why we don't call the devil names and all that old Hollywood nonsense. We look to the gospel, we look to the, rather the book of Jude when he says the archangel didn't even call uh, Satan names. He just simply said, you know what he said? Y'all been taught this many times before. He said the Lord, the archangel said of Satan, the Lord rebuke you. He didn't call him names. He didn't spit on him. He didn't tell him where to go. You'll never find that in the word of God. But you'll find a respect that says, the Lord rebuke you. And he tells me and you in the area of finances and blessing in our lives, the, the pathway to blessing is for us to try and test God. God says, you give and I'm going to replace it. You give and I'm going to replace it. Do you believe that? Are you living according to that, right? Blessing. All right, so if we don't, 
Very simply put, he didn't. So we talked about, uh, we've pa- we talked about number four, the, we reap in proportion to what we sow, right? Unless, two things. Did y'all get those written down so you won't mess up there, all right? And you can teach your coworkers and share these with other folks. By the way, we owe each other this. If you want to know, people say all the time, I need to do something about my finances. What can I do? You can get in line with God's economy. And I'm telling you, he is 100% uh, never, ever failed before. Number five, number five. And we have six, so I think we're going to make it. Number five, this is James chapter 5, verse 7, but I want to I share with you this, okay? Another law that we get from James 5, verse 7 is this. We reap later than we sow. Now, I wish this wasn't true. Is anybody else impatient like me? How long is it from when you plant tomatoes, plants, until you get a tomato? Seems like nine years. I'm telling you, and, and when you get that first green, when everybody's all in here, we'll all be talking, oh, I got two green tomatoes, and it becomes a competition. Some guys will be like, yeah, mine are like golf ball size, and I'm thinking, where does he live, and when does he work, you know? <laughs> but you watch them, and they stay green forever, and they start to lighten up, and then they're light green forever. But you got to be patient, don't you? A patient farmer has to wait for the labor, uh, uh, the, the, the harvest of his labor, and sometimes, honest to goodness, well, we are what's referred to as the microwave generation, aren't we? It's why we hate waiting 30 seconds for a chicken breast to heat up. We don't like that. We want it to be instant. And we take that into our relationship with the Lord. And sometimes, listen, sometimes in our estimation, when we feel like God is slow to move, by the way, he's never slow to move. He's always perfectly on time. But sometimes in our estimation, when he's slow to move, we equate that with he's not moving. We equate that with it's over. Life is horrible. I guess I'll go eat worms. And we, we miss out on spending time with God in the waiting room and experiencing his blessing there. James 5, verse 7, listen to what it says. Therefore, be patient, brethren, oh, man, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer wait. Oh, look at the illustration. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives it, the early and the latter rain. We reap later than we sow. Friend, you may be growing weary of, of, of sowing kindness and, and grace. Some of you, when I said that, I could see by the look on your face, you're thinking, well, I've been sowing grace and kindness at my workplace, and I'm not getting it back in return. You hang on. Don't you give up. You keep going. You keep reaping. I mean, you keep sowing, and I promise you in due season, you will reap if you don't lose heart. Keep pressing on and don't give up, all right? So we, leap, we reap later than we sow, and then finally, number six. Can y'all believe we've gotten to the end of this thing? Finally, I want to make a conclusion, and it's very, very simple. Sowing and reaping requires laborers. Laborers. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. Are y'all with me? I'm going to give you a minute to write that. Sowing and reaping requires laborers. We can't sit in our house on our couch and expect anything to be planted, anything, any ground to be tilled, any, any pruning to be done, any, any, any weeding to take place. Uh, any, we can't expect any of that stuff. If we're sitting on our couch looking out the window with good intentions in our heart, we'll never have a harvest unless there's somebody willing to labor. Somebody willing to labor. Let me just say this. Scratch that. Somebody who is laboring. It's funny, we all say, well, I'm willing to labor, but we're, it's not about the willingness, it's about the doing, 
okay? So listen to what he says, Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Jesus said to his disciples, you ready, anybody? The harvest truly is plentiful. There's a lot of harvest out there. But here's the struggle. The laborers are few. That's the struggle, okay? There's plenty of harvest. It's not about the harvest. But the laborers is where the struggle is. Therefore, here's what God says we ought to do about that problem. We have a problem. Did you know that? Did you know that we have a problem in America? There's not a lot of laborers. Somebody said, yeah, if you, if you got out in the business world right now, you'll find out quickly. Laborers are not the same as they were 15 years ago. Uh, now, not just that, but, but, but listen, uh, we, we look into the kingdom. We look into the church that represents, supposed to represent the kingdom. And you know what we find? Almost the same statistics. Laziness. Apathy. You know, people just sitting back waiting for somebody else to get it done. And, and what he says here is that here's, the, here's what we do about the problem. We need to get on to everybody and beat them down and tell them everything that's wrong with them. That's the first thing we need to do, right, to fix the problem. Now, we've tried that. And that's not, his, that's not God's economy. Now, what does he say? Now, listen, I just want you to, with an open heart and open mind, what does God say you need to do and 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 you right here and you right there and you and you right here and you there and you back there and you over there and you on the camera and you right here and you down front? And I said, what do we need to do? We got a problem. We, got, we acknowledge we have a problem. The problem is the same as it was 2,000 years ago. We have a labor shortage. And what we ought to do about it is not beat people up, make them feel bad and talk down to them and, and, and be mean about what we're doing. What we ought to do is, read with me, Therefore, anybody with me? What we should do is what? Therefore, pray the Lord of harvest. What should we ask God to do? How often do you pray that prayer? How often do you pray that? You pray in the morning when you get up and at lunch again, in the afternoon when you're driving in your vehicle, and on your way home, you're praying, you ask, you're begging God, please send out laborers. There's harvest all around us. There's souls that are, that are ripe for the picking. There are those that you've been dealing with that are ready to be saved. There are those who are saved that need to be discipled. Oh, there's harvest in every home, in every neighborhood, in every workplace. And, and it ought to be the overarching theme of your life that you're constantly, consistently unified together, me and you, praying and bombarding the throne of heaven with this one prayer. Lord, please send out laborers because only God can transform the human heart. We make an guilt somebody into doing something, but let me just tell you something, uh, that's empty. And the work is going to be tainted by somebody who's been guilted and there's no joy and God's not blessed by it. But instead, we ought to just ask God, transform hearts. And here's the thing, listen, use me to do it. Use me to do it, God. Move me from a complainer to, a, to an encourager. Uh, God, move me from somebody who sees the problem to somebody who's being proactive. How? By, Lord, make me a man of prayer. That I'm constantly asking you, God, please. God, please, look at my work. There's so many people who need to hear about Jesus. There's only one of me. Send laborers out. God, look at our schools. There's so many children who are hurting and desperate and groping in darkness who need the light of Christ. Oh, God, send laborers. And, and we look at our communities and the street that we live on. We have mission fields, and they're white with harvest. There are believers that need to be discipled and lost people that need to be shared Christ with. And I'm telling you, it's all kind of harvest. And yet we need laborers. So that's what we're going to pray for right now. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? Just for a moment. Would you bow your head and your heart with me tonight? And let's begin our time of response. How are we going to respond to what we've heard? Well, I think the first logical thing we ought to do is spend some time together.
praying for laborers. Would you do that with me tonight? If you would do that with me tonight, I want you to just slip your hand up for just a moment. Say, preacher, right here in my chair, I'm going to join you in praying for laborers. All right, about half of us. I wish the rest of you would get involved. All right, there's a little more of us. Would you then just slip your hand down and just begin to petition the Lord? And just simply pray what he said to pray. God, please, send out laborers. Let me be one of them. Oh, don't miss that. Let me be one of them. No more sideline complaining. Let me be one of the laborers. Send me out and send out others. And I just want to invite you to hear me tonight as I'm just sort of wrapping it up. God's laws of harvest, number one. All seed has exponential potential. Good or bad, of the flesh or of the spirit. Harvesting requires sowing. We're going to have to sow in order to reap. We reap the same kind that we sow. Would you sow peace this week? Would you sow joy? Would you sow love and grace and mercy this week? Would you sow that? Go out and just spread it, plant it everywhere. We reap in proportion to what we sow. Some of us have been sowing a little here and there. What if we began instead to sow bountifully? He promised if we did, how will we reap? Somebody help me one word. Bountifully. Lord, please help us not to keep the harvest for our own glory. God, please stir in our heart that we wouldn't, that we wouldn't keep the seed and not sow for the kingdom. Somebody tonight simply needs to remember the fourth law. We reap later than we sow. Somebody tonight needs to be reminded again what we heard this morning. The wind and the waves, the waves and the wind, they still know his name. Be patient. Don't give up on God. He'll never give up on you. You keep on sowing to the Spirit. You keep sowing to the kingdom. You keep trusting God. In due season, at just the right time, there's going to be a harvest. Don't give up. And lastly, God, make us into laborers in your vineyard. Father, we thank you tonight for the blessed hope we have in Jesus. Now, may you touch our hearts tonight, not with guilt and shame, but instead with the sweet conviction of your spirit that calls us up. Doesn't beat us down, calls us up. Call us up tonight. Call us up for mediocrity. Call us up, God, to be a people who are living our lives according to the law of your harvest. May we experience a wonderful harvest here at Hickory Ridge, but also individually. And also every person who's listening tonight, wherever they find themselves. Now, Lord, if there's one soul in our midst, whether it's in this room or listening somewhere else that does not know you, has never surrendered their life to Jesus and made peace with you through his offering. Lord, if there's somebody who's never invited Christ to come and be Lord, trusting his death and resurrection, then I pray tonight would be the night that, God, right now somebody would wave the white flag and humbly surrender and invite Jesus to be Lord. Father, would you move in our hearts in this time right now? If someone would come to Jesus, would you give them the courage to come and share? We can celebrate with them.